Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. What we're doing in this series, we are learning from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he, he knew something about freedom. I don't, I don't know how much you know about Paul, but man, this, this guy, he did a lot. And he's been teaching us some things about how to be free. And, and what we learned last week is that your efforts matter. Your efforts are important. Your eff- efforts definitely make a difference. But here is the key, is that your efforts only help you. They never heal you. And that's a big distinction. That's why so many of us, were dealing with the same issue over and over and over again, because we're trying to get free from something in our own efforts. And you can't get free in your own efforts. In fact, you can't free yourself. There is only one way to get free from your sin, from your shame, from your guilt. The one way isn't by what you do, it's what Jesus has done. That's how you get free. And so we talked about that last week. And, and the, the more you walk with God and the more you trust him, you're becoming more and more free every day. So I want I want you to check that out but because that's going to help you with what I'm going to talk about today. But today, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, today, what I'm going to share with you is really going to help change your perspective, and I want to do it from two passages of Scripture, uh, and I want to jump right into it rather than give you a lot of context, and we'll kind of break out the context as we go along. I want us to look together at the book of Philippians, and we're going to start in chapter 1. And I just want to point out to you, you know this is a serious sermon when I have the Beyonce mic on, because I normally don't use that, so uh, you know it's going to be good, but... Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, if you want to follow along, put the words on the screen for you. Paul's writing, and he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Now, it's interesting to me that he uses that phrase, put here. I mean, that in and of itself, that's a perspective shift. Because what it tells me is that he doesn't see where he's at as stuck. He sees where he's at as stationed. What would happen if you started looking at your position that way, looking at, hey, it's not an accident that I'm here. I am here on assignment. It's going to change things for you. He says, look, the the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? In other words, things aren't happening the way that Paul would choose. He doesn't have control of how things are going. Nevertheless, he's made a choice not to let his situation control him. So he says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I want to use this message and this verse to launch into our message today. In fact, I love the way the New Century Translation says it. Uh, It says it this way. Paul wrote, I know this trouble 
will bring my freedom. Now, that's a crazy thought. What would happen if you started looking at that situation in your life? You started looking at that trouble as the thing that God actually wants to use to bring freedom. Well, that's what we're going to look at. And I'm calling this sermon, if you're taking notes, I like to give you these titles. That way you can write something down. And when you encounter difficulty, you can look back to your notes and think, man, that really helped me. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Call this message, All Tied Up. All Tied Up. It's always my custom to pray. I like to pray and ask God for help, that he would use me to help you, and that he would help you to hear me. And so uh, if you would, I just ask that you bow your head. I'm going to pray for us generally, and then we'll get into God's word. God, thank you so much for your word today. God, I'm thankful that every time we come to you in this place and open up your word, you speak to us. So God, I'm asking that you would continue to speak today. God, let us hear from you. We need to know your voice. We need to hear what you have to say. Use me, give us ears to hear. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you have ever got a gift that you didn't know what to do with? Like, like I mean, something that you would not have picked out, you wouldn't have chosen for. So let me see your hands again. I'd just like to know who I'm talking to. Like nearly all of us. In fact, if you didn't raise your hand, I want to know your secret, okay? Because this, like, this seems to happen to me a ton. Uh, it is honestly, that's the reason that my mother-in-law just gets me gift cards from this point on, which is not a bad thing. Honestly, like that is kind of a preferred method when you don't know what to give somebody because I think like there's nothing worse than getting something that you'll never use or getting something that you don't know what to do with or getting something that you don't want or getting something that you don't like. And I got to admit, I really like it when somebody knows enough about me to like study me and they get me something that they think I'm going to need, something that they think I'm going to want. And like, it's a great, like that really blesses me. Like my wife, she is, she is a great gift giver. Like we just celebrated our anniversary. Uh, she got me some Apple AirPods. Those are amazing. I don't know if you've ever used them, but they're incredible. They're, they're phenomenal. Now, I mean, coincidentally, like I did get her a trip to Europe for our anniversary. So I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm not like saying it's a contest or anything. I'm just saying I, like, I might love her more than she loves me. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. So um, I, all I'm trying to say is, is like, you know, it's crazy like when you get a gift that you want, but it, it's like really bad when, when you get something that you don't know how to use. Like, I think this really shows up in weddings, you know, like, like. Okay, forget the fact that I went to the trouble of making a registry and I picked out exactly how you can bless me with exactly what I want. Yeah, but yeah, just go off the registry. Just go rogue. Like, that's totally fine. Like, yeah, ice cream maker. That's awesome. I don't know when I'm going to use this. This is like the 1930s. You know, why don't I just churn butter while I'm at it, okay? Like, I don't know why people do this, but I, I digress. Well, I, I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it's amazing when you get a good gift. It, it's crazy when you get something that you wouldn't choose. And where we're catching up with Paul, Paul finds himself on the receiving end of something that he wouldn't choose. But it's, it's not a gift, it's chains. And where we meet him, he is locked up as a prisoner because he's been falsely accused of some things he, he didn't do. And now he's writing back to a church that he started a long time ago. Now, it might be worth mentioning to you just how this church started because it's kind of interesting uh, the Philippian church was the first church that he started in Europe. And, and the way it started, he, he was in Philippi. He was preaching. 
And then he got locked up in prison. And while he's locked up in prison, he starts singing, he starts praying, he starts praising God. God sends this earthquake, and the chains that are around his ankles begin to come loose. And not just his chains, but the chains of everybody that's around him. That's why, can I just point out to you, it's so important that you don't miss worship at church. Like, I think sometimes we have this idea, like, you know, worship, like, that's for some people, it's not for everybody. Like, you know, it's like the previews at the movies. Like, you know, some people like to watch previews, but I don't. But like, as long as I get there before the movie starts, like, that's okay. But can I tell you, like, we often come to church looking for a word for our situation, but really what would happen if you came to church looking to worship in your situation? Like that could be the very thing that God uses to break the chains in your life. I'm just saying that's not my message. I just want to point that out to you for free. I like, I, I like this crowd already. You got, you're gonna have, we're going to have some fun today. Now, I, I'm bringing this up because when we looked at Paul last week, he's talking to us about freedom but when we catch up with him this week, it's a different situation. When we catch up with him this week, he is in prison. He, he's in chains. And, and I need to just say that again so you can catch it. Paul is writing about freedom while he's in prison. He's writing about how to be free while there's a chain around his ankle. He, he's writing to this church, he found it a long time ago. He's telling about his situation, and his situation is not good. He's in, he's in prison. He's been there for a while. And he has to stand before Caesar. Caesar is going to make this decision on whether Paul is going to live or whether Paul is going to die because he's been accused of being a cult leader. And if you think about this from the Philippian church's perspective, like they would have been so eager to hear some news from Paul. It's been a long time. He hasn't seen them for a while. They're, they're eager for a status update. They, they've heard rumors that he's in prison. I mean, they didn't have Instagram, so they don't know like what's going on. They're, they're waiting to hear. And so they get this letter. And just imagine what this would have been like, because he starts out this letter, you know, and he's like, hey, greetings, grace and peace to you. You know, I've been thinking about you. Every time I think about you, I pray for you. And I'm overjoyed to hear, and like, he's kind of like building suspense and like, Paul, like, get to the point, like, like, are you in prison? Did you get free? What's going to happen? And when he gets ready to tell them what's happened to him, it must have shocked them. I mean, they must have been surprised because they're waiting probably for this long letter about everything that happened and while he's here and what he's hoping to happen, all this stuff. And he basically like just gives it like half a verse and says, hey, um, yeah, yeah, what happened to me? Well, I'm in chains. That's, that's true. And the situation's not good. I'm not getting out. But then he spends the rest of his time teaching them a principle. And here's the principle. That your freedom isn't determined by a change in your situation. Your freedom is determined by a change in your perspective. That's the whole point of this letter. It's been called the happiest letter in the Bible, the happiest book in the Bible, where he's writing about joy and freedom, and he's in chains. He says, even though I'm tied up in locks, stocks, and bonds, I'm free in my spirit. And the truth for you is that God is more interested in freeing you in your spirit than he is in freeing you from your situation. This is the essence of the gospel that God is more interested in delivering us on the inside, 
changing us on the inside, changing our internal affairs more than he is in rearranging our external circumstances. That's what God wants to do. Now, this isn't popular in an Instagram culture. This isn't popular where we're more concerned about our selfie than our soul, where we're more concerned about looking good than being good, more concerned about looking healed than being whole. It's not popular, but Paul's trying to teach them a lesson, and he's saying, look, I'm not out yet, but I'm free. Still right here in this cell physically, but spiritually I'm free. Free from what? Are you, are you free from pain, Paul? No, I, I'm hurting right now. Are, are, are you, you know, free from uh, your, your uncertainty? No, I, I don't know what they're gonna do to me in the future. Are you free from other people? No, there's still jailers around, still keeping an eye on me. Oh, so you mean like you're getting out? No, I'm, I'm still in this prison cell. I'm still tied up in chains, but I'm free. How can he say that? Because the situation hasn't changed, but his perspective has. In fact, Paul gives us a clue to his perspective in verse 12. Let me read it to you. He says, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, that's kind of strange because it's not like Jesus is the one who put him in chains. It's not like God did this to him. It's not like this is God's fault. And it's not like God is the one who does bad stuff. It's not like God made your parents get a divorce. It's not like God made that abuse happen. It's not like God put you in that situation. It's not like God did that thing that you feel has been a black mark on your life. God didn't do that. But he doesn't say, I'm in chains by Christ. He says, I'm in chains for Christ. It's a difference. In other words, God didn't do this, but now that I'm here, I'm making a choice. And that's really when your life changes, when you make a choice. When you decide that it's not just because I sing a song, it's not just because I pray a prayer, but I'm making a choice. There, there is, I want you to understand the power of a single choice, the power of choosing to see your situation as something that God can use. Now, this doesn't make sense to our natural mind because, I mean, Paul could preach to more people if he wasn't tied up in chains. I mean, if Paul wasn't tied up in chains, like he could go start some more churches. If Paul wasn't tied up in chains, he could raise up some more leaders. I mean, if Paul wasn't tied up in chains, he could probably help some more people or he could heal some people. I mean, in my mind, I think if Paul wasn't in this prison cell, if he wasn't all tied up in these chains and these bonds, if he wasn't bound with this thing, like God could use him so much more. But Here's what Paul does. Instead of looking at this thing and saying, this is holding me back, and saying, I didn't choose this. I didn't want to be here. I don't like this prison. I hope God gets me out. I'd like to be with you. Instead of saying all that, he's saying, I'm making a choice. 
And he didn't choose what most of us would choose. Because most of us, we would choose to think that, well, I mean, God must not love him. I mean, clearly God doesn't love him because, like, God could get him out. I mean, he's done it before. And why wouldn't God get him out of this situation? Because, like, we think when God's going to do something in our life, like, if he really wants to do it, like, he can do it. So why isn't he not doing it? But now he has to choose. And some of you are in situations that you didn't choose. You didn't choose to have to fight that sickness. You didn't choose to have to deal with that anxiety. You didn't choose to go through that abuse. You didn't choose to have your spouse cheat on you. You didn't choose to have that disability. You didn't choose that thing but it happened. And now that it happened, you have to choose, will you let God use it? Now, what's interesting to me is that in this entire book of Philippians, Paul doesn't ask one time for them to pray that God would free him. He doesn't ask one time for them to pray that God would get him out. He doesn't ask them to pray one time that God would release the chains, or even make things easier. He he doesn't pray that or ask that one time. In fact, there were four different epistles. Those are letters. Those are the books in the Bible, the New Testament. Four different letters that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And in none of those letters did Paul ever ask that they would pray that he would get out. Not once. Why is that? Well, I think it's because Paul learned something a long time ago, that God's gifts come tied up in packages that you would never choose. In fact, speaking of gifts, if we could say anything about Paul, one thing we could say is that he was gifted. Would you agree? I mean, Paul was gifted. I don't know if there was anybody more gifted in the Bible. I mean, Paul was gifted. He he was gifted to preach and gifted to write. He was gifted to start all these churches. He he was gifted to raise up these leaders. He he was gifted to take the gospel to the Jews who were spread out uh, beyond Israel. Paul was a gifted guy. But for all of his gifts, there was something in his life that he expected God to take away that God left. Do you have anything like that in your life? Well, like this one thing that you feel, I just, I'm still dealing with this. I've never got over this. I've still got this struggle. I still got this issue. And maybe you're beyond Paul. I don't know. I mean, like, like I would understand if you're holier than Paul. I mean, Paul just probably hadn't got to like your level of spiritual maturity yet. I mean, I just, like, when he wrote this letter that I'm going to read to you, like, it was long before the Philippian letter. I mean, he hadn't learned some of the things he had learned yet. And so he wrote this letter to the Corinthian church. It was earlier on in his ministry. And in this letter is the only time I could ever find that Paul asked God to free him from something. And when he did it, God told him no. 
Paul asked God to do something for him that he wouldn't do. And if you want to know what it was, Paul's going to disappoint you because he doesn't name what it was. And I'm glad he doesn't name what it was because if he would have told us what it was, well, I mean, then I couldn't relate to it. But the, the way he says it, and I want to read it to you, it's in 2 Corinthians 12, it helps me because it tells me that whatever you have in your life that you feel is keeping you bound, that is actually the thing that God can use to fulfill his purpose in your life. So Paul said, all right, here's the background. I ascended into heaven. I, I saw things that I can't even speak about. I mean, it, it was too great for me to even describe to you. I was used by God in ways that are so astounding. There is not adequate human vocabulary to tell you about these things. And he says, therefore, because of that blessing, God gave me an equal burden. You see, because the greater the calling, the greater the cost. I mean, that, that was true for Paul. And a lot of us, like, we have this desire to be used by God in ways, maybe like Paul, but can I just tell you, like, we want to be used by God in ways like Paul was used. But to do that, you have to go through the kind of things that Paul went through. And I'm not saying that you got a flogging coming, but I'm just saying it doesn't work. Like, there's going to be pain to do something substantial for God. And so Paul says, God took me up. He showed me things so much that there had to be something in my life that would keep me tied to his grace. He doesn't name it by name, and he doesn't need to, because he knows that you have your own thing. So let me read it to you. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given. I want to stop there, because it sounds like he's about to get a new car, right? I mean, it sounds like he's about to get a blessing. It sounds like he's about to get a gift, he says, he gave me. I, I was given. Well, what were you given, Paul? What, was it a blessing? Were you given a bonus? What, were, were you given a better opportunity? No, he, he says, there was something that God gave me to keep me in a space called grace. So he, God gave me this so that I'd never forget who led me along the way, so that I would never forget who brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I would never forget that. He said, one day, the devil showed up with a package on my doorstep. Can you bring me those two packages, please, Josh? I'm going to hang out up here. Well, one day, the devil showed up with a package on my doorstep, and it had a bow on it. And I opened the package. Yeah, we'll set it. Yeah, set it there. I opened the package. And inside of the package was a thorn. That's crazy. It says, I thought it was a gift, but it was wrapped in a package that looked like pain. I was given a thorn in the flesh. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, a lot of people debate about what this is. What, what was this thorn? He doesn't say. So some scholars, they'll say 
well, you know, maybe it was a sickness, yeah, like this eye disease. You know, some people uh, will say that it was temptation. Yeah, this temptation that he always had to deal with. Some people will, will say that it was persecution because, like, everywhere he went, there was people that were talking bad about him. A lot of scholars, I actually figured it out. I, I know what it was. I don't know what it was. It was Facebook. It, it was Facebook. I'll tell you how I know it was Facebook because he says he calls it messenger of Satan. So you, know, you don't even have to wonder. But he said, I was given this messenger of Satan. And this confused me. Because how can he refer to it as a gift if it was sent to torment him? It's, it's a thorn, but he calls it a gift. It's evil, but he says, it's all good. Here, here's, here's the thing. See, God can take what the enemy meant to torment you, and he can use it to transform you. So, so the, the devil's tools of torment become God's tools of transformation in his hands. It, it looks like a grievance, but it's actually a gift. And so he said, God, will you take this away? Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. So he didn't give me relief from this thing. Instead, he gave me grace. He gave me something so much better. I thought I'm in these chains and I'm tied by these chains, but the truth is he wasn't tied by these chains. He was tied to grace. It was a gift. Because see, sometimes God will use adversity in your life to build an advantage in your life. Sometimes God will take what is evil and he'll turn it to good because he's God like that. That's, that's what he does. And so it's one thing when you praise God for your promotion. I like the promotion. I like the peace. I like the prosperity. Give me all of that. That's great. But can you praise God when all you've got is problems? And here's, here's what really helped me with this, because and this is why I wanted you to stand up here, Josh, because I don't know if you're like getting, feeling awkward just standing up here while I'm preaching. But sometimes it's awkward when you're in a situation you don't know what to do. And I realized that, you know, that there's, there's two ways to tie something. Just, just hold out your hands for a minute. Like you, you, can, you can tie something, Right? And you can, you can tie it up, and when you tie that up, he's bound. That's one way. Or you can tie something up, and I never wrap presents. This is why I have an assistant and a, a wife, both of those. My assistant has to wrap my presents for my wife. But you can tie something, and I wish that was a joke, but... But you, you can tie it, and you can have a bound. Are you comfortable, Josh? Yeah. It's good. Yep. <laughs> or you can tie it with a bow. Kind of. That was, that was rude. That was mean. <laughs> right? And so now, it's really, how are you looking about how you're tied? Are you bound 
or is it a bow? Are you bound or is it a gift? Are, are, are you locked up or are you free? And I wonder what would happen this week if you started looking at those situations. I'm going to have you hold this for me. Just, just walk with me. You started looking at those situations, those situations that you can't get out of, those situations that, that you feel like, why am I going through this? And you just <laughs> stuck a bow on it. That, that person that you can't stand, that, that person that you wish would leave you alone, that you can't get out of your life, just put a bow on them. I don't mean like do a really. I mean, that would be weird. But like, like in your mind, you just walk up to them, but you know what? You, you look better with that. You start seeing those situations in your life, not as a grievance, but as a gift. Can you give Josh a round of applause? Can you do that? See, sometimes the prison is the proving ground. And that ground is a gift. You can tie it up and you can stay grounded, or you can tie it up and it's a gift. And what I realized is that Paul wasn't tied down by chains, he was wrapped up in grace. He, 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 he said, I, I'm free. That's why he could say, I know this trouble will bring my freedom. How can your chains free you, Paul? Because it's making me trust him more. It's making me rely on him. It's making me lean on him. And here's the thing. The enemy can't stop God from giving you grace. So what he tries to do is stop you from seeing it as a gift. He tries to stop you from seeing it as something that God actually wants to work in your life. So you've had this addiction all your life and you've asked God to take the desire away and he doesn't. Why? Because he wants you to serve him and choose to serve him freely. He won't force you to be free. He wants it to be your decision. So stop expecting God's deliverance to be sudden. One of the greatest gifts God can give you is gradual change. Because if he took that out of your life all at once, you know what? You would think it was you. You would think you did something. You would think it was in yourself and your own ability. And yourself is not an adequate support system for God's purpose and his glory to be shown in your life. So he said to Paul, I'm not going to give you the gift of relief. I'm going to give you something so much greater. I'm going to give you grace. And it looks like a thorn, but it's really grace. So Paul said, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. And this is what Paul wanted the Philippian church to know, that it's supposed to be this way. You're supposed to struggle. 
it's supposed to be hard. And maybe just in knowing that, that doesn't make it any easier, but maybe it surprises you less. And you know, there was a situation in my life, and this is a number of months ago, and I was going to God about it. I said, God, man, can you just make this easier? Why does it always have to be so hard for me? Why does it have to be so hard? And I don't always hear God speak to me this way. It's honestly, it's a rare occasion. But in that moment, I really felt like God said in my spirit, it has to be hard. It has to be hard. If it wasn't hard, then you wouldn't value it. If, it wasn't, if, if you didn't have to struggle through it, it wouldn't be worth anything to you. It has to be hard. So stop expecting it to be easy. In fact, when you do a quick look at scripture, you see that God prefers to do things the hard way. That's his preferred method of operation. Just because God wants to do something in your life, he doesn't always do it right away. Sometimes it takes time. But if you could change your perspective to see that that's actually a gift, that God's doing that on purpose. That, I'm not saying that thing that happened was good. I'm not saying that came from God. But you can see it as a gift, that God can use that as a gift because the gift is his grace and his grace brings his power and his strength in your life to fulfill his purpose.